So the Apostle Paul, he uh, was writing a letter and in the midst of writing so many great things, it was as if the Apostle Paul took a moment and he paused and he went back to a time before time. He went back to a time before time, before space and matter, before the earth existed, before people existed, before anything existed. And once upon a time before time, uh, the Apostle Paul, he was thinking of that reality as impossible as it is for us to grasp with finite minds an infinite concept. But the Apostle Paul thought of a time before time, before you and before me and before we existed or before anything else existed. And, and he picked up his pen and, and he wrote this. He said, for we, that's you, that's me, that's us, for we are God's handiwork. Uh, another translation says God's masterpiece. I love that too. But God's handiwork uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good work. So, so before time, once upon a time before time, uh, we were already the handiwork of God. That in the mind and the heart of God, it was as though you were already created, though you had not yet been created. It was as though you existed, even though you had yet to come into existence. That we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And this advance that he's talking about is before the world began. This advance was before your existence and before my life and before time. That before time became time, God had spoken something over you. That before time, before your time, before your existence, God had attached something to you. And God, before time, before your time, before your existence, God had deposited something in you. Now, that's pretty phenomenal to think about, and, and that's pretty large to think about, and so I just want you to hold on to that for just a moment. Now, let me switch gears for just a second. Now, today's not much of a sermon. You've heard me say that before, and every once in a while, we need a non-sermon sermon. And so today is one of those, uh, it's not going to be a sermon. So if you're a guest of ours in any of our churches, and you came to church, and you just couldn't wait to hear a sermon, <laughs> you're going to have to come back another time. Because today is not necessarily a sermon. It's just something that's kind of been bubbling around in my heart and, and kind of just bouncing around in my head. But, you know, doing what I do uh, for a living, uh, I have the opportunity and I have the responsibility to talk to lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Uh, on any given week, I interact with all kinds of people who are at different seasons of life and they're going through different things and they're facing different things. And, and it's just kind of the nature of the job. And so every single week, I, I mean, every single week of my career, I have, I have talked to people about, you know, what's going on in their lives. Or I've talked to people who are greatly concerned about what's going on in somebody else's life. And, and life. And, and so that's just kind of every single day for me to, to a certain extent. And so I hear lots of things. Uh, I, I have the opportunity to observe lots of things and to learn lots of things and to be told lots of things. Uh, and, and that's just, that's what I do. And, and that's also part of your life as well. Uh, you talk to lots of different people and you hear about what's happening in their lives. And, 
And then sometimes someone talks to you about something that's really bothering them about what someone else is going through and they're concerned about it and they're praying for them and they're asking advice about, you know, what should I do? Should I get involved? Should I, should I not get involved? And, and so I've been doing this, believe it or not, here for around 18 years. Uh, I've, been, I've been a professional uh, in ministry, if you can call it that. I, I, I think more semi-professional than anything else. I've never very been, much been a professional, but, but for, you know, 20 some years now, I've been doing what I do and I've been talking to people. I've been observing, I've been hearing about what's happening here and what's happening there. And then, you know, I've got my own stuff and, and I, I can learn a lot from my own junk and, and I can pay attention to my own life. And, and so there's just a lot to see and there's a lot to listen to and there's a lot to observe. And, and just here's some observations that I have made over the past few months and really not necessarily just over the past few months. It's really been over the past couple of years that I, I've noticed it, you know, specifically, but it seems like my observations have intensified uh, just over the last few months because it's like the volume is a bit louder in the things that I'm hearing. It's like the frequency of what I'm hearing is much more than, than years past and seasons past. And, and so as I look around and, and I make some observations and I've jotted down some thoughts and maybe you've noticed this too, I see a lot of people, and, and, and when I say people, I'm just not talking about you people. I'm talking about we people. Uh, I'm talking about all of us, and, and this all doesn't all pertain to us, but some of it will pertain to us, and then some of it will pertain to people that you know, and, and, and so this is not like an observation in a critical, judgmental way. This is just kind of, hey, I've noticed some things about people, and, and we are people, so I've noticed some things about us. I've noticed that I've, I've heard a lot of stories uh, of late about about people in what I would call a functional downward spiral. A functional downward spiral. Now, now a downward spiral is something that we've all heard of before, and, and it's basically a series of negative thoughts, negative emotions, and negative actions that continuously feed upon itself. And then it just causes the situation to get worse and worse. It's just progressively getting worse. So it's one negative thought that leads to a negative emotion, that leads to a negative action, that leads back to another negative thought and to a negative emotion and to a negative action. And it just kind of intensifies. And it just, it just happens with more frequency and greater intensity. And the situation, because of that, because it's kind of a downward spiral and this is all kind of feeding upon itself, it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And if it sounds serious, it's because it is. It's a downward spiral. It's negative thoughts. It's negative emotions. It's negative actions. That's just bad. No matter how you chalk it up, no matter if it's me, no matter if it's you, no matter if it's all of us, some of us, a few of us, it's just bad. But here's the thing. Here, here's what I've been noticing. It's a functional downward spiral. Uh, it's of people who look like they've got it all together. It's like the people who check all the boxes. Like if you look at them from afar, you're like, wow, I mean, that's who I want to be like. That, that's, that's, that's winning right there. I mean, that person, they're, they're really got, they've got it together. Look, look at those people. They know how to do it and they know how to do it right. And it's like, it's functional. But yet the part that you can't see until you can see it is that it's been a downward spiral, but somehow they've been able to keep it all together. And it's all together until it's not all together any longer. And when it all falls apart, then it's like, oh my goodness, that's what was happening. It was a functional downward spiral. I didn't have any idea. But behind the curtain and behind the subterfuge and behind the good face and the best foot forward and behind all of that, there was a person trapped within a series of negative thoughts, negative emotions that 
It just kept leading to more and more negative actions. It kept leading to more and more negative thought, negative emotion. And then that just kept on, kept on, kept on, and kept on until there was a crash. And then it was like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? What happened? I can't believe that. I would have never thought that. You, you got to be talking about somebody else. You, you've got to have somebody else in mind. That's not true. That can't be true. And then you find out, well, that did happen, and that is true. And it's like, oh, my gosh, what happened? There was a functional downward spiral. And then I've observed that there seems to be a lot of people uh, standing on what I would call the razor's edge. They're, they're just standing on the razor's edge. They're on the very edge of self-destruction. They're on the very edge of disaster. They're on the very edge of regret. And they don't even realize it. That there's a lot of people, maybe you, maybe me, maybe us. There's a lot of people that are entertaining choices that will have lifelong consequences to them. And they don't consider the lifelong consequences of their choices but they're standing on the razor's edge. And when you're standing on the razor's edge, you're typically not thinking about long lasting consequences. It's like the person who is peering over the cliff and there's a big part of them that knows if I jump off this cliff, I can't survive it. I mean, who could survive jumping off this cliff? But yet you're on the razor's edge and there's something about that moment in life and that season in life that you're peering over the cliff. And even though there's a large part of you, the logical part of you that knows if I jump off this cliff, it's gonna kill me, it's gonna destroy me. But yet there's that other part of us that tries to convince us that we can be the exception to the rule, that we can be the one who jumps off the cliff and survives the fall. And though a part of us knows that's not true, a bigger part of us at times wants to believe it's true. And so we're standing on the razor's edge and we're looking over a cliff that we know we shouldn't jump off of, that we're trying to convince ourselves if we do jump off it, we can survive and everything's gonna be okay and there'll be no lasting consequences to it. And I've seen that, I've observed that. Maybe you have as well. And it's like a person you work with, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like they're on the razor's edge and they don't even realize it. It's like someone who's flirting with the cliff and they don't even realize they're flirting with the cliff. You've probably observed it too. And then there, there's this, this you know, observation I've made of people. And again, you know, we are people. Um, it's the people who are unhappy with no good reason. I don't know if you've, you've noticed this or not happening. It seems to be happening more and more in our culture. It seems to be happening more and more in our circles. It, these, are, these are folks oftentimes who really, to look at their lives, they don't lack anything. It's like, what are you missing? What, what don't you have that you need or what don't you have that you can't get? I mean, you're basically successful. You, you, you've got an intact life, a functional life. Yeah, you're not perfect. Yeah, you've got some baggage. You're just like everybody else. But I mean, you're, you're pretty together. I mean, you, you've got, you got lots of things going for you. You certainly got a lot more things going for you than you got things coming against you. I mean, there's really no palpable reason of why you would be so unhappy because I mean, look at your kids. They're not only smart, but they're cute. I mean, who gets both cute and smart kids? I mean, I mean, come on, it's, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if, what you would pick if you had to choose between the two, but some people don't even have to make the choice. It's like their kids are great and not only are they cute and they're smart, but they're athletic and it's like, good grief. I mean, there's nothing about this family that couldn't be interjected into a magazine. I mean, their whole life could be the cover 
of Covet Magazine. I, I, I mean, it, it could just be, it could be just this amazing thing that all of us would just want to watch. It's like, they should start a reality TV show because it is too good for television. It's too good to be true. But yet, in the midst of all of that, they're, they're just not happy. They've got all these things, but yet they feel like something is missing. They've got all of these someones in their life, but they feel like someone is missing. And they just go through life and they feel like, you know, what is that? There's a hole, there's a gap. And and when, when you're able to get more stuff and you feel like something's missing, what do you end up typically doing? You get more stuff. You, you just change things up, you replace things. And, and I, I just see that a lot, just unhappy without really a cause. And it seems as though the thing that all of those groups have in common, you know, the people who are in a functional downward spiral and the people who are standing on the razor's edge and the people, you know, that we're talking about that they don't really have a reason to be unhappy, but they're unhappy. It seems like the one thing they all share in common is that something is missing or the sense that something is missing. And, and some people blame their job. You know, it's like my job, that's, I feel like if I had a different job, then I feel like that something that's missing would no longer be missing and my life would feel intact and you know, just the quality of my life would increase. And so some people blame their job and some people blame their family, some people blame their husbands, some people blame their wives. Uh, believe it or not, some moms and dads even blame their children. Some people blame what they do have. Some people blame what they don't have. And there's a group of people, it seems like more and more uh, all around us that they feel trapped by this nagging sense of incompleteness. This nagging sense that they're trapped in, that there's, there's something missing from my life. I can't exactly put my finger on it, but there's just, there's just something not right. Not everything is clicking on all cylinders and they feel like there's something or someone that if they could just find it or find them, that they could interject it into the puzzle and the puzzle of their life would be complete. And then all of a sudden, all the thoughts they've been thinking and all the feelings they've been feeling, all of a sudden all of that would dissipate and everything would just be good or at least better. Uh, a few days ago, we were in a staff meeting and uh, we had a mental health uh, professional who came to our staff meeting because you may not know this, your staff's crazy. Uh, and uh, I'm just kidding, no, not really, we are kind of. But, uh, but we had a mental health professional that was there and, and they were talking about all their years of practice and the things that they've seen and the things they've heard. And you can only imagine being a mental health professional, a counselor, someone who's down there in the trenches with people who are in the muck and mire of life. I mean, life has just gone to hell and, and this professional has, has gotten into this hell with these people and, and are listening and trying to counsel and trying to lead them out uh, of whatever you know, state that they may be in in the, in the current moment. And so you know, he was talking about all the different things that he heard and all the different things that he's seen and all the issues and all the trauma and all the drama and all the things. And, and then he said something that was, it just struck me because I, I had already been thinking about this and already been writing, you know, in, in my journal a little bit about some of this stuff. Uh, but he said, you know, if you take all my patients over the years and, and the vast, vast majority of them, if you just reduce down to the single common denominator of what I think has been plaguing the people that I've seen and that I am seeing and all the different stories and all the different variations, 
the one thing that I would chalk it up to almost all of the time, which is plaguing people, it's people's lacking of purpose. It's people lacking purpose, which really seems to be feeding dysfunction. It's people's lack of purpose, which seems to be just creating dysfunction. It's people's lacking of purpose that sends people into functional downward spirals or puts people out there on the razor's edge or gets people to the place where they're unhappy when there's really no real reason to point at for why they feel so unhappy or discontent. He said, it's people lacking purpose, which is the plague that I see every single day. And I think he's right. From my perspective, I do. I think it's people lacking purpose that seems to be a plague upon our lives. It seems to be a plague upon our communities, especially here in Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky. You can just think of story after story after story and dysfunction after dysfunction. Look at all the statistics about drug abuse. Look at all the statistics about parental incarceration and the 100,000 plus children in our state that's being raised by somebody other than their biological mom or dad. And you think about all the other choices that people are making that are resulting in us leading the way in all the ways that we don't want to lead the way, leading the way near the top in suicides or diabetes or heart disease or depression. And the list just keeps on going. And it's like, what is going on? What is going on? Why is there so much self-infliction of harm? Why is there so much getting to the edge of the cliff and jumping off the cliff and convincing ourselves that we can survive it? Why so many people unhappy when there's really not a palpable reason of being so unhappy? What is going on? And I think he's right. It's people's lack of purpose or they're lacking, they're lacking a sense of purpose in their lives. You see, whenever we live without purpose, we can live in a way that we don't wanna live and we can end up where we don't wanna be. That's what happens when we lose purpose. We end up living how we don't wanna live and we end up in a place that we don't wanna be. And a lot of experts are talking about this and a lot of experts are writing about this more and more because they believe that we're actually caught in the middle of a new epidemic and the new epidemic, the new pandemic that has infiltrated our culture, especially in the last couple of years. And I would say, man, it seems like a lot here in just the recent months of 2022 that there's an epidemic of people who are walking around without any sense of inherent purpose or meaning to their lives. Matter of fact, recent studies have said that 57%, nearly six out of 10 people are walking around in this country. Nearly six out of 10 are walking around this country without any sense of purpose or meaning to their life. Now think about that for just a moment. Think about that. Six out of 10, they don't feel meaning to their life. Well, when you don't feel meaning to your life, what matters to you? Not much, not much. When you think that your life doesn't have purpose, do your decisions matter very much? No. Do your relationships matter very much? No. Does your money matter very much? No. Does your time matter very much? No. When you're walking around with no real sense, I mean a conscious sense of meaning and purpose to your life as an individual, that never bodes well for us as individuals. In a separate study, it was found that 38% of Americans, only 38%, so four out of 10, so the converse is true. So it leads me to believe that this is pretty accurate. One study says six out of 10 have no sense of meaning and purpose. Another study said that only four out of 10 say that their lives have meaning and purpose and that they're actually satisfied with their lives. So, so you've got a picture of who, who happens to be around us at any given time or maybe who's even in our church. 
There may be six out of 10 of us here this morning sitting in one of our churches that you have, real, you have no real sense of purpose and meaning to your life. And maybe that brings some explanation to why your choices haven't mattered very much to you, relationships haven't mattered very much to you, how you manage your money or your time, it doesn't matter very much to you, that those things are just kind of inconsequential, they're just there, whether you have a lot of it or you have a little of it or you have an average amount of it. Kind of gives us a snapshot of where people are. There seems to be a general unrest within the lives of a lot of people. And I think he's right. I think it's people lacking purpose. And this unrest often goes unrecognized, but more than unrecognized, it goes mistaken for something else. People blame someone else and something else for it. So whether it's the job or whether it's a person or whether it's a group of people, you know, whatever it is, we think that, okay, I need to change this. I need to fix this. So there's some things in my life I need to, you know, put in. And there's some things in my life I need to pull out. Matter of fact, I don't have enough of this. So let me get some more of that. I got too much of this. So let me get rid of this. And, but here's the thing, a lack of purpose will follow me and follow you and follow us no matter where we go and no matter what changes and no matter who changes in our life. A lack of purpose is a plague that will follow us no matter who, no matter what, because it's bigger than that. Uh, perhaps I think, you know, one of the greatest novelists in, in all of history, uh, Dostoevsky, he, he, he said some really profound things about, about purpose. Uh, he said this, this is one of my favorite. He said, without a firm idea of himself, and, and I've got this one written in the front of one of my books that I, I open up quite often. And this is so true. And we should just think about this. Without a firm idea of himself or herself, without a firm idea of himself and the purpose of his life, man cannot live. Think about that. So I don't know if I agree with that. Well, just man cannot live and would sooner destroy himself than remain on earth, even if he was surrounded by bread. In other words, I think this is what he's saying, that without purpose, we self-destruct. Without purpose, we self-harm. Without purpose, we fall into a downward spiral. Without purpose, we get out there on the razor's edge and peer over the cliff and jump. Without purpose, we can't even live in the ethos that we have every single day, no matter how good it is. We walk through life feeling as though something or someone's missing and we always feel incomplete and it nags us and it nags us and it nags us until it just robs us of vibrant life. It robs us of abundant life. It just sucks from us and sucks from us in some kind of sycophantic, psych, you know, pathological kind of way. It's, it's really just horrible. And he says, without purpose, we just, we just harm ourselves. We end up destroying ourselves and sometimes subconsciously because that's the way that God wired us. Because before time, God had spoken something over your life. God had attached something to your life. God had deposited something in your life. And when you live void of that, subconsciously you're wired to not even wanna live or exist in a way that's healthy or good. And so we veer off path and we jump off cliffs and we do crazy things all because we feel like this is gonna fix it. This is gonna make me feel better. This is gonna make me feel different. He goes on to say in another place, he said, the mystery of human existence, the mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive. Hey, we all wanna stay alive, you know. Let me think in the song now, staying alive. Okay, anyway, sorry. 
It just, the mystery of human existence lies not just in staying alive, because we all wanna do that, but in finding something to live for. Now, staying alive is what we all wanna do. Live longer, that's what we all wanna do. I mean, we'll do just about anything to live longer. We'll listen to our doctors, we'll, we'll, we'll read magazines, we'll read articles. I mean, we'll do just about anything to live longer or to stay alive. We'll even go buy a treadmill. We may not plan to use it, but we'll go buy one because it, it just kind of makes us feel better. And for a moment, it's like, I did something. I feel better. And, and then, you know, for some people, they actually, they actually are so committed to staying, you know, alive longer, they'll actually get on the treadmill. Whew, that's something to think about, even though they hate every blessed moment of it. Let me tell you who I hate, people who act like they love a treadmill. I know you're lying. It's like, it's just like therapy to me. I can think better on a treadmill. It's like, I wanna kill everybody when I'm on a treadmill. I'm the most unholy, ungodly human version of myself when I'm on a treadmill. I'd rather just kick a cat. I'd rather just, you know, it's, it's horrible. I hate a treadmill. And it's like, we'll do anything. We'll change the way we eat. I mean, once upon a time, we go to McDonald's, buy the Big Mac, the supersized fry, and a Coke. But now we go to McDonald's, we buy the Big Mac, the supersized fry, and a Diet Coke, because that makes all the difference. All the difference in the world. We'll buy vitamins, we'll do all the things, because we want to live a longer life. But I, I, I just don't know how many of us, including me, I just don't know how many of us are spending an appropriate amount of time to also thinking about what do I need to do to live a better life? Not just a longer life, but a better life. Instead of all of the money and all the effort, and we should, all the effort that we spend and all the effort that we give in trying to add years to our life, when are we spending any time thinking about actually putting some life in our years? So what you make it to 80? If you live 80 years feeling incomplete, so what, you make it to 90 and you live 90 years imprisoned by a sense that your life lacked meaning or purpose. So what, who wants that? So we'll spend all this time thinking about adding years to our life, but come on, sooner or later, we gotta start thinking about adding some life to our years. I'm all about success, I love success. I, I think God wired us for success. So I don't think anybody should ever apologize for being successful, wanting to be successful. But sooner or later, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna move into what God had prepared for us before time began, if we're, if we're gonna move into that, we gotta move beyond success. Not that success is bad, but we just move beyond success and we start thinking about, okay, I just don't wanna be successful, I wanna be significant. Not everybody that's successful is significant. So I just don't wanna be successful. I just don't wanna be good at what I, what I do. I just don't wanna be the best at what I do, but I wanna be significant in what I do. I just don't wanna be a success in life. I wanna be significant in life. I just don't wanna be motivated to make a living or make a great living. And there's nothing wrong with making a great living. I think everybody should make the greatest living they possibly can. But what if we move beyond being motivated and inspired and thinking about making a great living and we actually started thinking about, okay, I, I wanna make a great difference. I wanna make a great difference with my life. And instead of just thinking about, okay, here's what I wanna do. You know, I've got a what I wanna do list. I, I, I got places I wanna go and things I wanna see. I got what I wanna do list. Uh, and I think everybody should have them. But, but what if I spent more time? What if I spent more time or just as much time thinking about who I wanted to be as I do thinking about what I wanna do? 
and we can. We can do that. We can think more about those things. It's within our capacity. We're not broke when it comes to being able to think about things. We can think about what we wanna think about and we do think about what we want to think about. So why not think about some things that actually matter a little bit more than everything else? What about just thinking about not just success, but significance and just not making a great living, but making a great difference and just not about what I wanna do, but who I wanna be. And we can become significant and make a great difference. And we can become the person we actually want to be, who God wants us to be, when we embrace purpose and a life of purpose, because our best life, your best life, my best life, it is one of purpose. It's what moves us from just existing. I mean, who wants to exist? Are you content with existing? Are we content with existing? I don't think so. Were we just created to exist? No, we were created to live. And it's what moves us from existing to living. It's what moves us from success to significance, from just making a living and putting food on table and providing for our families and doing the things that we wanna do to actually making a great difference. And you know this, some of us have lived this. In, in the moments and the seasons when we lack purpose, you know, you know how we feel? We feel empty. We feel empty. Doesn't matter how successful you might be. You lose your sense of meaning and purpose, you feel empty. Doesn't matter how pretty you are. You don't have any sense of purpose, you feel empty. Doesn't matter how smart you are, you feel you know, no meaning, no purpose, you feel empty. Doesn't matter what your story is. Doesn't matter what your set of circumstances may be, your identity as seen through the eyes of other people. None of that stuff really matters if you feel empty on the inside. So what people think you're a big deal or a big shot? Who gives a flying flip? Especially if you feel empty on the inside. How's that working for you? How's that working for us as Americans? Impressing people we really don't care about. Spending all of our time convincing people we're better than we are, smarter than we are, prettier than we are, more disciplined than we are, holier than we are. All the while we're walking around like meaningless, purposeless zombies. All the locks in the world's not gonna make us feel better. All the things on our schedule, it's not gonna make us feel better if we're living life without meaning and without purpose. You see, when you feel that way, you, you, I, I'll just talk about me and I'll talk about you because we're all the same. I'm no different. I'm three feet higher today because I'm on a stage, but I am no way three feet better than anybody. Matter of fact, dig me a hole, put me under it, bury me. You'll be getting close to how I chalk up to you. I'm telling you, if you knew me, you'd never let me talk to you about anything. I'm just telling you, follow me around for a day. Don't, don't follow me around for the day, please. You know how I spend most of my time parenting? Apologizing, isn't that right, Shepard? <laughs> I'll say something and and I'll feel terrible about it. And I'll have to go back and explain myself. And anyway, so my point is we're all in this together. This is not a me talking to you. This is, this is we, this is we talking. All right, this is all just bouncing off and hitting us all where it needs to hit us. When we walk around without a sense of meaning and purpose, we end up filling that sense of lacking meaning and purpose with cheap substitutes. And cheap substitutes run the spectrum. It runs the spectrum. 
And it's different things for different people. But at the end of the day, it's just cheap substitutes that we try to draw meaning and purpose from. And, and, and you're smart enough to try to figure out what some of those substitutes are. I don't have to tell you because you've done it and I've done it. And those cheap substitutes, they do work for a while. They do work for a while. And then they go dry. And then there's no more meaning and purpose or excitement or happiness in it. And then it's like, oh gosh, what am I gonna do now? What am I gonna do now? And then you gotta find another substitute. Then you gotta find another substitute. And so what happens? For some people, they end up bitter and angry. You ever wonder why there's a lot of bitter, angry people in the world? Maybe it's just because they've spent so much of their life without any sense of meaning and purpose. Do you think that that may not make some people bitter and angry to exist and not live? to have no sense of real inherent meaning or purpose? Sure, that would make anybody bitter. That would make anybody angry. Some people just end up obsessed with superficiality. They, they get obsessed with the superficial. And it's like the chief substitute that, that hey, I gotta, have, I gotta have some meaning. I gotta have some purpose. For some people, they just jump head, head first into the selfish, most selfish end of the spectrum. And it's all about them. And it's all about their desire. And it's all about their agenda. And it's me, 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 me. And for a while that works, but it doesn't matter what the substitute is, whether it's superficial or whether it's money or whether it's this or that, in the end, it always, what? It leads us to a place of emptiness, boredom, unhappiness, discontentment. And again, we're, we're lost with that nagging sense. And it's like, what is that nagging sense? It's like, maybe it's a lack of meaning and maybe it's a lack of purpose. Maybe, maybe this makes some sense about some things to you now, about your own life or your own story or where you are in the present moment. You, you know this about purpose. Purpose is the reason something exists. I pulled a pen out of my pocket. You know what that pen is and you know what it's for. If I brought a saw up here on stage, you'd recognize it as a saw and you would know what it's for. If I brought my glasses up here today, you, you would recognize what those glasses are, but you would also recognize the purpose for glasses. It's to help someone see. When you look in the mirror and I look in the mirror, do you really know what you're for? Do you really know what your purpose is or where your meaning comes from? When you look in the mirror and you see you, do you ever just stop to think, what is my life for? What is it about? What is the meaning to all of this? Because I'm telling you, I don't even understand how someone could get out of bed without some sense of an idea that there's a personal transcendent God that is existent somewhere beyond us. Because otherwise that just means we're accidental and incidental and there is no such thing as meaning and purpose. If we all just got here as an unguided process, if we're just cosmic accidents, there is no meaning and purpose for us, but we don't believe that. As Christians, we believe that we were created on purpose for a purpose, and we never feel more alive than when we know and are convinced that there is a reason we are alive. There is a reason you're alive. There is a reason we are alive. There is a reason for our existence. Now, I, I used to think when I was younger, I've told you this before, but I'm gonna tell it to you again. I used to think when I was younger, the worst thing in the world could happen to you would be to die young. Friday night, I had this dinner I had to go to because I was speaking to a group of healthcare professionals. There was probably about three or 400 people there. And uh, I was sitting at a table 
And one of the gentlemen I was sitting at the table with, he was a psychiatrist. And man, that always makes you a little paranoid, sitting and having dinner with a psychiatrist. And, and uh, he said, does it make you nervous having dinner with a psychiatrist? And I'm like, it makes me self-conscious to be eating with a psychiatrist. It doesn't make me feel less crazy, but if it counts, it doesn't make me feel more crazy than I already know that I am. So, uh, and, and so we were just talking. And I said, you know what? I used to be a hypochondriac. And, and he was like, you used to be. And uh, it's like, oh, okay, let's not talk about this. Uh, you know, talking about high school. And, you know, in high school, I remember I'd, if I'd had a little, little freckle come up on my hand, I'd look at it. And I mean, my first thought would be, it's terminal. It's terminal. It's got to be terminal. And, you know, I just thought, man, I just the worst thing in the world would be to die young. But I I know now, I know now there's something worse than dying young and there's something worse than just dying. And I know for a lot of us humans and a lot of us Americans, the absolute worst case scenario is dying. I mean, it's like, who wants to die? Nobody. But there's something worse than dying. It's dying and never having figured out why you were alive to begin with. That's the tragedy. That's the worst case scenario. It's stepping out of this life without ever understanding what your life was all about. See, purpose is not just the reason something exists, but, but if we zero in just a bit more, purpose is simply just a means to an end. That's what living a life of purpose is. It means that I become a means to an end. When you live a life of purpose, your life becomes a means to an end. And in becoming a means to an end, that's where I find meaning. In you being a means to an end, that's where you find meaning. If you are the end, there is no meaning in that. There is no purpose in that. If I'm just a means to my children's end, what happens when my children are gone? If I choose a lesser end, if I choose a temporary end, if I choose an end that is not eternal, not consistent, not always, then what happens when the end that I've been a means to, what happens when it fails me? What happens when they pass away? What happens when they're no longer there? or it's no longer there. We find purpose in being a means to an end that is greater than ourselves. That's where we find meaning. And when we live out of that kind of purpose where it says, you know what, I'm just a means to an end. That's all I am, I'm just a means to an end. Not my end, not anybody else's end, but to God's end, but to Christ's end. That when I'm a means to God's end, my life finds meaning. And when I live with that kind of purpose, and I make decisions inspired by that purpose. And I'm, I have relationships inspired by that purpose. And I live a life inspired by that kind of understanding of purpose. It's going to lead to fewer regrets. It's going to lead to a life of meaning and purpose. And that begins to bring everything into alignment. That gets all the areas moving in the right direction. Hopefully everybody here is going to be 70 average one day. You're going to make it to the average life expectancy of 70 plus. Hopefully all of us are going to be average. Some of us will be above average. And I promise you one day, I promise you, you may not have to think about this kind of stuff and that's okay, but that's why you've got me is to think about these things for you from time to time. One day you're going to look back 
and I'm going to look back. And we may look back when everybody else has died and left, and we may be the only person that's left. And we may not be, but we're going to look back. Let me tell you how we don't want to look back over 70 or 80 or 90 years or 40 years or 50 years or 60 years. We don't want to look back and think, I think I missed it. I think I missed living a life of meaning and purpose. I worked my tail off. I made a lot of money. I got a lot of awards and man in my field, I was the best and look at what I've got to show for it. But, but did it mean anything? Was there purpose attached to it? We don't want to look back and have a bunch of stuff and have a bunch of money and, and, and to you know, do the things perhaps we should do and, and pass it on. You know, a good man, the proverb says, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So, you know, hey, we leave something to our grandchildren. We help them have a better start and we should do those things. Those are great. But isn't there a meaning and a purpose bigger than just that? That's good. But is that all there is? I got to do all the things I wanted to do. Is there not more to it than that? We don't want to miss purpose. Jesus said that he came into the world to give what? To give life, to give it to the full. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Kill, destroy, what? Maybe your sense of purpose? Your sense of meaning? If the enemy can get you believing that your life has no practical meaning, no practical purpose, <laughs> he doesn't need to pay any more attention to you. He doesn't need to waste time on me or on you. If I don't believe my life has meaning or purpose, come on. I'm going to destroy myself. I'm going to blow my own self up. I'll jump off the cliff with nobody's help. But Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Following Jesus will not put more years in your life, but it will put more life in your years. And when Jesus invited us to follow him, it just wasn't so we could get eternal life. And it just wasn't so that we could follow his way of life. But he invited us to follow him so that we could find a life-changing, life-giving purpose. So when you follow Jesus, and the tragedy of all is that Jesus' followers are walking around acting as though their life has no meaning or no purpose. Now, when we think about purpose, and I promise I'm, I'm, bring, I'm bringing it to an end. I would have brought it to an end already, but you've not listened good enough. <laughs> when Jesus taught his followers to think about purpose, he turned it upside down. Because when we think about purpose, we tend to think about purpose in terms of what? What is my purpose? That's like a common question. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Jesus teaches us to think differently about purpose. Jesus always attaches our purpose to a who, not a what. Jesus attaches our purpose, your purpose, my purpose, to a who and not a what. So what, what, I don't understand. I don't know if that's even right or not. Well, follow me. Matthew 4, Jesus walks up to four fishermen, Andrew, Peter, James, and John. And he says, guys, if you'll follow me, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. 
And he attached their purpose, not to a what, but to a who. In Matthew 7, what did Jesus say? He said, if you wanna fulfill the law, if you wanna fulfill all the prophets, he said, let me tell you what to do. Do for others. Do for others what you would have others do for you. And Jesus attached our purpose to a who and not a what. In Luke 6, Jesus said, hey, love your enemies. Do good to them, forgive them, bless them. Why, Jesus? Because you are children of your Father in heaven. And he attached our purpose, not to a what, but to a who, even our enemies. In Matthew 9, Jesus said, hey, look at the fields. Look at the fields. Look at all those people harassed and helpless and ravaged, upside down. They don't know left from right. They're like sheep lost without a shepherd. And I love it. It says that Jesus wasn't angry about it. Jesus had compassion on them. But in that moment, he looks at his followers like you and me. And he says, look at those fields and look at those people. Look at how many people there are to serve. Look at how many people there are to pursue. Look at how many people that need light along their path. Look at how many people need salt. Look at how many people need compassion. Look at how many people need a listening ear. Look at how many people need a caring heart. Look how many people need a friend. Look at how many people, look at them. It's like a field ready for harvest. And he attached our purpose, not to a what, but to a who. In Matthew 22, a lawyer asked Jesus, what's the most important thing to God? What is the most important thing to God? Well, that's a pretty important question. We should probably be able to answer it. And many of you know the answer. Jesus said, I'll tell you what the most important thing to God is, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the way you demonstrate it, the way you illustrate it, the way you confirm it, the way you prove it, is that you love your neighbor as yourself. And he attached our purpose, not to a what, as much as he did a who, our neighbor. Which neighbor? All our neighbors. And in John 13, he took it even higher. And in the upper room, he said, guys, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this one thing, will all the world know that you are my disciple, that you love one another. And he attached their purpose, our purpose, not to a what, as much to a who. And then in the same room, just a few moments later, he took off his garment, he took a towel, and he washed the feet of his disciples, Judas, who would betray him. Peter who would deny him, Thomas who would doubt him. And he washed their feet and he says, guys, I've done this as an example so you know what to do. And you will be blessed if you do this to one another. And he attached our purpose not to a what but to a who. And then in Matthew 28, once and for all, Jesus would connect our purpose to other people when he said, I want you to go to all the world and make disciples to all the nations of the world. And you can imagine how daunting it felt for a group of guys who had never hardly left Galilee. They had no money, they had no power, they owned no territory, but Jesus said, I want you to go to all the nations and change the world. It was daunting. Just like it feels daunting for some of us, we look around and it's like, oh my God, there's so much, there's so much stuff going on. And it's like, nothing seems to move the needle. It's like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? It's like, it's just going to hell in a handbasket. What can I do? And we sit back and we think, you know, what, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So long, we get what, you know, psychologists call analysis paralysis. And we sit there and analyze the situation so long we get paralyzed and we don't even know where to start. And because we don't know where to start or what to do, we end up doing nothing. 
because we think our purpose is attached to a what, but we're thinking about it wrong. Jesus, he didn't give his followers a plan. He gave them a purpose. He didn't tell them how to do it. But in many ways, Jesus said, if you wanna change the world, let me tell you how to change the world. With the person who's in front of you at the moment. One person at a time. It's the people you work with. It's your family. It's your friends. It's the stranger that an odd conversation sparks up unexpectedly. It's that moment that your life intersects with somebody else or a group of somebody else's. And in that moment, you are coming face to face with your God-given purpose. And every time you act in purpose and on purpose in the life of another person, that's never empty. It's never in vain. Every act of kindness, every act of compassion, every act of patience, every word of encouragement, every act of forgiveness, it matters. Every act of service, every conversation, every gesture of generosity, every prayer you pray, every invitation that you extend to someone to come sit with you in your local church on Sunday, it matters. It means that your job, your influence, your money, your resources, your network, your experience, your story, everything about you, it has meaning and purpose that can be leveraged for the good of somebody else. And that's living with purpose as a Jesus follower. Jesus, Jesus points us in the direction of our purpose. And when he does, he points us in the direction of people. But, but more specifically, Jesus connected our purpose as followers of Jesus to people who were not followers of Jesus. Let me tell you when you will feel most alive, when I will feel most alive, when our lives will feel most meaningful and fulfilled, when you can actually wake up in the day excited about what just might happen. What is it that God has in store on that day? Who will you meet? Who will pull up a chair at your desk and just spark a conversation and you automatically know, <laughs> this is not accidental. This is not incidental. This is my purpose. And when you live on purpose for a purpose and you see that person in front of you as part of God's purpose in your life, God's purposes can collide with that person and only God knows what will happen as a result. It's waking up every day with clarity. I know what my day, I know what makes it matter. I know where my meaning and my purpose is derived from. And when you live that way, when you live with purpose, everything you do becomes significant. Everything. So it doesn't matter whether you're single or married or a professional or not a professional, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter. None of that stuff, it doesn't matter because your purpose supersedes all of those descriptors, all of those categories. So those things matter very little in terms of your purpose. For the next few weeks, we're gonna have an opportunity in a season of the year to invite, to have conversations with friends and family to leverage our influence, to leverage our resources, to hopefully see people who are far from God 
begin to step closer and closer and closer in his direction. There are people in your family, you have friends, you have a network of people. Some of you, your supervisors, your leaders, you have influence over lots of people. How can you use that to influence people in the direction of faith? How can you use your life, your gifts, your talents in a way that inspires and influences people in the direction of their heavenly father. And when you live your days, seeing yourself as a means to that end of influencing and inspiring people closer to their heavenly father, your life will have more meaning and purpose than what you've ever experienced. That's what we need in this season. The last two years have taken a lot of things away from us a lot of things, but God forbid that it take away as a church, our understanding of our purpose, which is to love God, love people, make disciples, see people far from God, come to faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Because we believe that everybody spends forever somewhere. Everybody spends forever somewhere. What are we gonna do about it? Let's don't play games. Let's just don't live life. Let's jump headlong into our meaning and our purpose that Jesus attached to a who. Be liked, be sought, invite, have conversations, pray for the people in your life to know their heavenly father and his son. And when you start living that way, when I start living that way, everything becomes significant. And all of a sudden, you're not content living on the razor's edge. All of a sudden, you're able to pull out of a functional downward spiral. And all of a sudden, you find yourself complete, happy, content. Life's not perfect, but there's meaning and purpose. And that is worth everything. Heavenly Father, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for the patience of people listening. I pray that all of us would just stop for a moment to think about the people in our lives and people who are far from God, people whose faith doesn't seem to matter that much or at all to them. People on our team, people in our class, people in our family, people at work, our clients, the people who work for us, the people that we work for. And God help us to have a sense of meaning and purpose knowing that our purpose is attached to inspiring and influencing those people in your direction. You didn't give us a plan, you just gave us a purpose. Father, help us to go live our purpose. What you spoke over us from the beginning, what you attached to us in the beginning, what you deposited in us from the very beginning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.